Welcome to the Powers on Sports podcast for the week of January the 13th. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa, Florida. I'm going to talk to you on a chilly night here in Tampa. We're not used to this cold weather. It's probably in the 50s, which is for Tampa is pretty chilly. I know a lot of you guys around the country are getting blasted with a big winter storm, and I know a big winter storm is rolling through this weekend again up in the Northeast and the Midwest. So hunker down, and hopefully everything goes well. There's no no major issues with the weather over the weekend other than just being pretty cold. So we're going to talk tonight about some divisional NFL divisional reviews, and we're going to preview its championship week for both the AFC and the NFC in the NFL. This is probably the last true football weekend of the year. I know there's Super Bowl Sunday, but that's more of an event. Um, but if you're a true football fan, this is the last kind of day where you get to kind of spend if you want if you want to if you choose to you can spend the you know six seven hours watching the last couple of games i know the games are on sunday afternoon i think they start at three three o'clock and maybe six thirty i know the first game is going to be in new orleans you got the saints hosting the la rams followed by the nightcap in kansas city when the patriots come a calling to Arrowhead, apparently it is supposed to be brutally cold in Kansas City, somewhere in the 5 to 10 degree range, so that will be an interesting uh, facet of the game of how the weather factors into that that outcome and all that stuff, and we're going to preview that here in just a little bit, And but first, let's talk about the re- divisional matchups that just occurred this last weekend, Just we'll do a quick review of each game, can I give you my thoughts about each game, by the way, I was... on the week. Last week predicted all four winners. Kansas City, Los Angeles Rams, the Patriots, and the New Orleans Saints. 4-0, so that was a a good week for me. So you'll also get my picks here in a little bit too. So All right, so for game one, we had Indianapolis heading to Kansas City. I guess the the takeaway from, from this one is just the struggles that Andrew Luck had versus that that suspect Kansas City defense. Everybody came in to that game thinking Indianapolis would be able to run the ball very well. They had run the ball great the week before with Marlon Mack. They, you know, they had been throwing the ball well. The Kansas City defense is is was not very good throughout the year defending the run or the pass. But this was a game where Andrew Luck really struggled. He, it was, it was. It was tough to watch there for about two and a half quarters. He played. He probably played one of his three, two or three worst games of his NFL career. And obviously, with the the magnitude of the game, with the playoffs and such, very disappointing effort out of out of Andrew Luck in the, in the Indianapolis offense. Um, just were not able to move the ball. The Kansas City give credit to the Kansas City defense. The pass rush was excellent. They shut down the running game. Marlon Mack was virtually a non-factor. The Kansas City defensive line really won the the war in the trenches versus the Indianapolis offensive line, which was thought to be a major strength of theirs. Um, they, the, you know, they they harassed Andrew Luck. They batted down five passes in the game, and that was predominantly defensive linemen. So just a very, very uh, odd 
way for the for the you know you didn't, we'd have thought that game would have been a high scoring game. It ended up being, I believe, twenty four thirteen final. You know the Kansas City offense wasn't terrific. They were good enough, and they were able to sustain offense. You know Damian Williams again continues to to, to sh- play very well in the absence of Kareem Hunt. Mahomes played solid. He wasn't fantastic, but he didn't make any mis- major mistakes. He didn't turn the ball over. He was methodical. He took what the defense gave him. You know, Indianapolis played a lot of zone defense. So he hit Kelsey in the seams. He hit Sammy Watkins, played well. Had a couple decent plays with Tyreek Hill. But a very methodical effort there by the Kansas City offense to, to just long drives, sustained drives, first downs, move the ball. A very good opening, uh, you know, opening debut for Mahomes in the playoffs. So, 24-13 final, so Kansas City will now host the AFC Championship game in Arrowhead. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, CBS Sunday night, and they're going to be playing the New England Patriots. What can you say about the Patriots? Everybody going into this divisional round thought they were susceptible and suspect, and this is the worst New England team in numerous years. You know, they have no offensive, you know, the weapons on the outside are very suspect with no Josh Gordon. You know, Gronkowski is being, is, has been very limited physically here the last six, seven weeks of the season. And what does New England come out and do? They come out and run the ball down the Chargers' throat. The first drive of the game, 80 yards, a great, a great offensive game plan by Josh McDaniels and Belichick. Run the ball, throw to the backs out of the backfield, which are basically extended running plays. James White, 15 catches in the divisional round, just, you know, uncoverable. It's amazing how 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 effective that guy is as a pass receiver, and these linebackers and these uh, safeties just cannot, you know, it's, it's so difficult to stay in front of James White. The, 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 the offensive design of the running game, Sony Michelle with a huge game out of the backfield with three touchdowns. Again, 15 catches out of James White. Edelman had a big game. Virtually got nothing out of Gronkowski. Had one catch for, I believe, 25 yards, but where Gronkowski is still an elite player is in the run game. His blocking was tremendous. That guy is a willing blocker. He is a in-line blocker, able to block defensive ends, linebackers. And CBS did a great job of illustrating that uh, throughout the game of just how effective Gronkowski was with that offensive line to open up the holes for Sony Michelle and company as well as create the play-action opportunities. So big credit goes to the New England game plan. Again, two weeks to prepare, home game in Foxborough. Minus four points. I mean, every. I mean, I, I. I can't tell you how many people said, "Oh, Sandy, LA is going to go in there, win that game outright." Oh yeah, they're 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 road warriors. They're great on the road. When you have to travel from LA to Baltimore, play a very physical Ravens defense, travel all the way back to LA, then turn around and travel all the way back to the East Coast to Foxborough again on Friday. To, and, and and have to get your body ready, recovery, the body clock of traveling from west to east, a 10 o'clock kickoff basically for the on the west coast time. Just not not a very favorable matchup. I mean, Phillip Rivers did not play terrible, but the defense really let down the Chargers. The Chargers tried to play a zone defense with those seven defensive backs. And when Brady knows what's coming as far as a zone defense and such, He'll just eat you alive, and he played fantastic. Uh, 
They the offensive line for New England totally shut down Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. They did, the Chargers did not adjust their defensive attack until it was too late. The Patriots scored on their first four drives of the game. It was twenty eight to seven, middle of the second quarter. You know, L.A. made a couple of mistakes. They muffed a punt, which turned into a turnover. You know, Rivers missed a couple of guys. I mean, I'll give Rivers credit. He answered, after the first New England touchdown, he did answer with a with a long touchdown pass to Keenan Allen. But after that first drive, the LA the LA offense was just non-existent for until late third quarter. You know, that the score looks, you know, 41-28 was the final. That game was nowhere close to being even that close. The Patriots could have scored mid 50s if they really wanted to. They basically took their foot off the off the pedal. In the third in the third quarter, uh, that game was over at halftime. Just a very disappointing performance out of the Chargers. And again, Philip Rivers, great career, great regular season player, but just has not been able to get over the hump in the playoffs. Is now zero and eight versus Tom Brady. Um, again, difficult matchup to begin with. Too many people thought the Chargers were just going to roll into Foxborough and beat the beat the Patriots. I mean, are you kidding me? One thing to never do, giving Belichick two weeks, first of all, two weeks to get ready, two weeks of of rest for his older players, Brady, Gronkowski, some of the guys on defense, that's just a, and having to play in cold weather conditions in Foxborough, that is just a recipe for a a season-ending situation, And, and the Chargers were just thoroughly manhandled on all fronts, the defense for New England, Good game plan. Didn't give up a ton of yards. Ton of big plays. They're deep. The strength of their team is their defensive backfield. The, the, the back four, the, the corners and the safeties are excellent in coverage. Excellent in, in uh, disguising what they're going to do. Uh, virtually shut down Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Gates. Melvin Gordon was, was, was not much of a factor at all. And it's just... Uh, one of those situations where the Patriot rules apply. If I've told you once, I've told you 50 times, the Patriot rules, when that team is a four-point favorite or less or an underdog, you bet the Patriots. They're not losing but once in a blue moon in Foxborough in a playoff situation in a home game. That team is just the most well-coached, disciplined uh, do their job kind of motto that they that they live by that they go by every single day of any team I've ever seen in the last thirty years of me watching football thirty five years it is incredible how he gets those players no matter the skill level no matter their talent level he gets those players to play at an elite level especially when the money's on the line in the playoffs it's incredible. So the Patriots will head to Kansas City AFC Championship game Sunday night, CBS. We'll talk about that game here in just a little bit, but that's the AFC side of things. Let's go to the NFC. So in the NFC, Saturday night, L.A. at the Coliseum, the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys came rolling into the Coliseum to play the Rams. And again, everybody thought this was going to be Dallas running the ball versus L.A. throwing the ball. Well, it turned into just the opposite. The L.A. Rams, again, two weeks to prepare, to game plan, to get their kind of identity back in order. You know, the Rams had struggled the last four or five weeks of the season offensively. Golf has not been playing great. He's been playing good enough, but not great. 
Um, the Rams made the decision they were, they were going to pound on the Cowboys' front seven, and boy, did they ever! That offensive line for the Rams and the offense in, in the offensive play calling, they were the commitment to the run was excellent by Sean McVay, C.J. Anderson, Todd Gurley. Pretty healthy. I don't think. I still don't think Gurley's 100% healthy, but I think he's probably 85, 90%. He returned to action. Both C.J. Anderson did a fantastic job in relief of Todd Gurley. Both runners ran for over 100 yards. The Rams ran for over 270 yards in the game. Just, just a methodical, old school, 1985, 1990s kind of offensive attack. Run, run, run. Play action. You know, nothing too fancy in the passing game. Robert Woods, hit Woods, hit, uh, you know, you hit Brandon Cooks here and there, but a lot of play action. What I was impressed with, it really showed that Sean McVay can play a different style of game. Doesn't have to be all the bells and whistles and all the formations, trickery and all that stuff. He can. He he is smart enough, coach, to know. Line up. We can pound the ball. If we're successful, we'll keep running it. And boy, did they ever! Give the Cowboys credit. They did make it a game in the in the third and fourth quarter. The Cowboys' biggest problem is they just couldn't get off the field. They couldn't stop the run on defense. So the Rams had the top major time of possession advantage. Zeke Elliott was not able to get moving. That the the L.A. defensive line played very well against the Cowboys' offensive line. Zeke Elliott was pretty neutralized. I think he had 20 carries for 47 yards, so he was virtually a non-factor. And also due to the time of possession and the score, they were forced to have to throw the ball much more than they wanted to. Good job. I'll give Dak Dak Prescott credit. Played pretty well. Uh, Didn't turn the ball over. Threw the ball pretty well. I guess the turning point of the game was early fourth quarter. Cowboys had the ball at about the L.A. 40. Went for it on fourth and one. Run up the middle, and the and the Rams defense answered the bell, shut them, stopped stopped the drive, went down and scored. And the other controversial thing in that in that fourth quarter was the Rams up eight with about seven minutes to go on the Dallas one yard line. Actually, not even up eight; they were up that was seven minutes ago. Probably later than that, probably less than five minutes to go in the game. They're on the Dallas one yard line, up eight points. Instead of kicking the field goal, which virtually puts the game away on ice going up 11, they decide to go for it. Fortunately, they made it, but I was not a, you know, I don't think that was the right move. Should have kicked the field goal to guarantee the 11 point lead because had they not scored there, Dallas would have had the ball down eight, all their timeouts, plenty of time. And the way Prescott was playing, that game had a, had, would have had a great chance to come down to a two point conversion. But. They got away with it. McVay got away with it. They score, go up 15. Dallas comes back out and scores late. Um, doesn't get the onside kick. I'm so, Doesn't even onside kick. I'm shocked that Garrett decides to kick the ball deep with about two minutes and 15 seconds left in the in the game because he has all of his timeouts and the two-minute warning. I do not understand why he did not onside kick, at least to give yourself two chances to get the ball back, whether it's an onside kick or if you stop them and, and, and you know, you, you're going to have to stop them either way. If they get a first down either way, the game's over. So if you onside kick and don't make it, you still have your timeouts and a chance to stop them. 
but Garrett decided to kick it deep. They weren't able to stop him on third down. Again, quality play call on third down. Golf rolling out. Runs for the first down of all players to be running for seven yards on third and seven is Jared Goff. And they convert, run the clock out, advance to the NFC title game. And they will now meet the New Orleans Saints. Well, if you're watching that Saints game, first seven minutes of the game, it is all Philadelphia. Philadelphia intercepts the ball in the first play of the game, goes down and scores, stops them again, goes down and scores. It's all of a sudden 14 to nothing early. I mean, if you're in, if you're a Saints fan or just a football fan, you are shell-shocked. You are thinking, oh, my gosh, the Nick Foles mania, magic, whatever you want to call it, of Nick Foles leading that Eagles team in the playoffs. It's it's an unstoppable force. But as the game settled in, you know, there's a big moment in the game, early second quarter. Drew, uh, the Eagles have the ball going going down to try to make it 21 to nothing. Great play call by Doug Peterson has Ertz down the sidelines. Foles just underthrows him by about a yard. Lattimore makes a tremendous interception for the Saints. Kind of to stem the tide to keep it from 21-0. Ertz is open on the play. If it's a if he throws it out in front of him, Ertz might run, catch it, and run for a touchdown. Underthrows it, intercepted on that same exact drive. Fourth down and one. There was a there was a holding penalty on third and one. The Eagles stopped the Saints. Peterson makes a makes probably the right call at the time. He declines the holding penalty on third down where they stop him. Fourth makes it fourth and one. Sean Payton rolls his punt team out, and he fakes the punt. Fake great call by Sean Payton. Fakes the punt, direct snap to Taysom Hill, who's kind of their all-everything quarterback, you know, running back. Uh, that guy's a, definitely a weapon. If you remember Slash back in the 90s for the Steelers, Cordell Stewart, very similar. He's got skills to throw the ball. He runs the ball. He'll catch a ball. He plays on the punt team. He's on. He runs down on kickoffs. Just a tremendous athlete and a guy who later in the game threw about a 40-yard touchdown pass right on the money to Alvin Kamara, which was called back due to a penalty. But a great, great weapon to have. He's their backup quarterback. You know, it's just a just a quality job by by Sean Payton finding ways to utilize him. So they run a fake punt. Same drive, they go down and go for it again on fourth down and two from the two-yard line. Again, down 14 to nothing. A lot of people think kick the field goal to get on the board. You're still in the game. Peyton goes for it, converts for a touchdown. And after they scored that touchdown, the whole tide of that game, the momentum of that game swung to the uh, New Orleans Saints. They went on an epic 11-minute drive in the third quarter where they had they went 90-plus yards on the field, but another 20 yards in penalties they had to overcome. They went nine, they, I think they gained a total of like 117 total yards on the drive, 11 minutes, touchdown, just a tremendous job to Mike, to Mike, uh, Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas was a beast, well over 150 yards receiving, just, just a game wrecker. And again, Philadelphia had no answer for Mike Thomas. Kamara and Ingram got going in the second half. They weren't unbelievable, but they got the, they got the ball rolling in the second half with a run game. And... 20 to 14, New Orleans. Late fourth quarter. 
kick a 52-yard field goal, which would have put the game away, as well as cover the number, by the way. The number was 8.5, and, a half, and the, the Saints are up 20-14, to 14, would have put them up 9 with about 3 minutes to go. And Will Lutz, Rick Flair's one off to the right, 52 yards, and you're thinking, oh my lord, Nick Foles once again is going to have the ball with a chance to go coast to coast and steal another one-point win. If you remember, they won by one point last week in Chicago, and Foles had all, everything was set up for Nick Foles to be the, the hero of Philadelphia, and boy, what a controversy, and what a quarterback dilemma they had had on their hands if Nick Foles drives them down 60, 58 yards to a touchdown to win in New Orleans to go to the NFC title. They get down to about the 30 at about the 215 mark of the of the fourth quarter, run run the ball up the middle, and for some reason, Philadelphia got in a big hurry and was just anxious to, and just panicked. I don't know why they were, you know, they didn't they had plenty of time. They had a timeout. Why are you running a play before the two-minute warning? They rush to get the play snapped. Foles throws about an eight-yard in route to Jeffries. The ball goes through Jeffries' hands, intercepted. Again, not. I mean, obviously Jeffrey dropped the ball, so it was a good throw. Should have caught it. I just don't understand why Doug Peterson's not letting that clock go to the two-minute warning to give. First of all, to give your your guys a, 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 some time to think about what you want to do, and two. You want to give Drew Brees no opportunity if you score a touchdown to have a chance to come down and kick a game-winning field goal. And the more times you snap the ball before the two-minute warning, the more opportunity Brees is going to have if you happen to score after the two-minute warning. So I just did not understand Doug Peterson's thinking there on that on that play call. But invariably, you got to catch the ball if you're Alshon Jeffrey. Didn't catch it. Intercepted. Game over. The Saints go marching on. And they'll now host the L.A. Rams. And what we have is a unique situation in both conference games. We've got two rematches from earlier in the year. We had the shootout in the Superdome earlier with the Rams and the Saints, 45-35 to New Orleans. Just a great game. About week, I think it was about week 9, week 10, something like that. Then you had the epic showdown. In Foxborough, early in the season, the Chiefs and the Patriots were just a shootout, 43-40. to 40. Uh, The Patriots kick a game-winning field goal in the last play of the game. Great game, spectacular. Sunday night, it was a Sunday nighter, C- or NBC with Alan Chris. Both quarterbacks were unbelievable. The offensive uh, execution was elite. And uh, so we got a re- again, double rematches. The best four offenses in the league are, are in the title game. Everybody was talking about, well, the defenses here of the Ravens or the Bears are going to be factors. But in the end, we have the best four offenses. I will say the defensive defensive teams played much better this week. The Kansas City defense played pretty well. The L.A. Rams defense played pretty well. The New Orleans Saints defense played pretty well. All three of those defenses were kind of not very good. The Patriots defense is not known to be a great defense, but they don't give up a lot of points. They're very good in the red zone. So we have, we're going to have a interesting uh, game of philosophy and game strategy of what these teams are going to do. New England, Kansas City. First off, New England is a three-point underdog, which is a rare thing. I mean, I mean, again, the Patriot rules. Take the Patriots. They don't even have to win the game, and you can win your bet. Buy them up to three and a half for show. 
buy them do three and a half faux show but weather going to be a major factor here less than 10 degrees in kansas city sunday night which is going to for sure affect the running the, the passing games going to going to put more emphasis on the running game which i think new england has the advantage in the running game it's going to make holding the ball ball control you know Ball uh, security is going to be a major factor. A lot tougher to run routes and catch balls when it's zero and catching a brick. Um, the ground's not going to be in great great shape. Hard rock brick ground. So I'm telling you, I think you're going to have the again the matchups is you got the you got Brady versus Mahomes. I think a big matchup in this game is going to be offensive line defense offensive line of the Patriots versus defensive line of the of the Chiefs. If the Patriots can run block, that play action is going to be there for Brady. This is the eighth straight AFC championship game for the New England Patriots. Incredible. Eight times. This is the 13th time in Brady's career he's been in the AFC championship game out of 17 years as a starter. 13 out of 17 AFC championship game. I mean... I know there's there's Patriot haters out there, and, and they, they've not, you know, they've done some things that have been a little questionable over the years a couple times, but if you don't have mad respect for that franchise, for what they've done, for Bill Belichick, for Tom Brady, Kraft, the whole operation over there in New England, then you're not, you're not a true, a true objective fan of football because that accomplishment is unbelievable to be in the AFC Championship game for eight straight years. My team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, haven't been in the playoffs for 11 years. I mean, playoffs, much less a championship game. I mean, the, 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 you know, it's crazy to think how good you have to be. And sure, they had a couple of lucky moments probably over the years, sure. But most of the time, they have earned their way to the AF by being better, better prepared, better disciplined, and all that stuff. And so... My prediction is going to be New England take the three and run. I think New England's going to figure out a way to win the game, 27-21 kind of game, 27-24 kind of game. I think the kicking game could be a factor. Again, you trust Goskowski versus Butker. Do you trust if if do you trust Tom Brady to have to go 75 yards to win the game uh, as opposed to Mahomes in the absolute highest pressure moment? I think the Patriots are coming in with a with a chip on their shoulder. Everybody, again, everybody's been down on the Patriots the last seven or eight weeks. Oh, they're not very good. No skill positions. You know, Tom Brady came out after the game in the divisional round talking about he think everybody thinks they suck and all that stuff. I'd be very careful of the Patriots here in this spot. Next to never are they underdogs. Very careful. I'm going to take. I, I like the Patriots to win the game outright. Either way, I think it's going to be a three-point game. Even if they lose, I think it's going to be a three-point game. So if you're a if you're betting the game, definitely buy the Patriots up to three and a half. And I think the Patriots are going to march on to Atlanta for Super Bowl number eight for the Brady Belichick Kraft triple threat. Okay, NFC matchup. Another rematch again. 45-35 earlier in the season. New Orleans. The Rams come a call into the Superdome one more time. 
I think you're going to see a definitely a different uh, philosophy and style of play by both teams. I think both teams are going to be more run 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 oriented. I think they're going to try to establish their their strong backfields, Kamara and Ingram, as well as Gurley and C.J. Anderson. This game is, I think, it's going to be a play action kind of game. I think Mike Thomas. Again, Aqib Talib is back in the lineup for the Rams. He did not play in the first matchup. And Mike Thomas torched Marcus Peters. You know, you probably saw some of the interviews earlier, you know, on Sunday in the press conference where Sean Payton was kind of making making light of they, they really liked the matchup with Marcus Peters and blah, blah, blah. And Marcus Peters was, was running his mouth after getting charred, charbroiled in the game. So... I think you're going to see a lot of Aqib Tlaib on Mike Thomas. And again, you cannot let Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara wreck the game. Those are the two game wreckers for the Saints. The Rams, I think you're going to see a methodical you know, approach, run the ball, play action, um, golf to Cooks, golf to Woods, run the ball. And again, I think that the, 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 the winner of this game is going to be the team that establishes their physicality in the trenches offensive line defensive line you know Aaron Donald and Sue played pretty well last week against Dallas but again they're playing they're going to be playing another big time offensive line in New Orleans and can the Saints defense contain that running game big injury for the Saints Sheldon Rankins their kind of pro bowl defensive tackle blew out his Achilles last week he's done so it's gonna be interesting to see how the Saints recover from that and the Saints are vulnerable in the secondary as well, in my opinion. I think the play action could be a could be an issue. Uh, you got Todd Gurley back. You're going to get a lot of Todd Gurley this week. You're going to get a lot of C.J. Anderson. So, again, Drew Brees, Jared Goff. Obviously a mismatch as far as experience, but, you know, that crowd, that crowd's going to be a difference maker, I think, and for sure in New Orleans. That's probably the one that you know the two home crowds this week are going to be major factors. Arrowhead and the Superdome are the two of the loudest venues in the whole league, if not the two loudest. And you're going to see those places are going to be jumping and rocking come Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. So um, again, I'm going to take the Saints to win the game. Again, I think it's going to be you know twenty. You know, 28, 20, I think it's going to be a 30 to 23 kind of game. I think the Saints are going to win by a touchdown. Don't be surprised if you see some defensive, a defensive score in this game, whether it's a punt return or a, you know, interception return for a touchdown. Both teams on defense are opportunistic. They give up yards, but they're pretty opportunistic defending. But I like the Super Bowl matchup of the New Orleans Saints and the New England Patriots heading to Atlanta. That'll be a good one. That will be a dream of CBS. You know, you got Fox going to be in New Orleans with Buck and Aikman. You got Nance and Romo will be in Kansas City Sunday night in the frigid weather. The frozen tundra of Arrowhead. Be a very exciting day of, of afternoon, Sunday afternoon of football. And again, it's going to be our last big, big weekend of action where there's multiple games going on and all that stuff. So it's amazing how fast the NFL season is, has come and gone. Won't play again until labor, you know, till early September. Lots of off-season stuff getting ready to happen with free agency and the draft and uh, the new league year starting in early March. So that's going to be coming up here. You got the combine coming up in about a month or so, five six weeks. 
So lots of lots of off season. One of the things the NFL has done a great job in the last fifteen years is they become a year round uh, entity in the news cycle. Just when just because the Super Bowl is over doesn't mean the NFL goes away. They are, you know, you got the issues with Antonio Brown probably going to get traded, wanting to go. Sounds like he wants to go to San Francisco. You got the stuff with the combine, all the coaching changes, free agency, who's going to get cut, who's going to be salary cap casualties, all the lead up to the draft. I think you're going to see a lot. You, you, I think you could see some movement in the draft this year as far as teams trading up for quarterbacks. Now that you got Kyler Murray in the draft, it's going to be interesting to see what his draft grade and his kind of uh, what he's going to do. Sparkling orange mango. It's a good drink. Costco special. If you haven't tried it, I definitely would recommend getting you some zero-calorie flavored water. A little orange mango from Costco. Good stuff. But NFL year-round, it's again, unlike the old days when I was a kid, when the NFL season ended, basically when the Super Bowl was over and they... You had a little bit of activity with the draft, but now it is a year-round, I mean, it is 24-7 year-round entity. Um, again, we're going Super Bowl, New England, New Orleans. I'm going to take the New Orleans, take New Orleans minus the three and a half, take New England plus the three, tease them, turn them straight up. I like them both, man. And, uh, mm-mm-mm. So, want to also want to talk about for a minute here. One Molly Carroll on ESPN. She comes out yes, yesterday. Clemson went to the White House to uh, you know to visit the president for for the national championship, honoring them for the national championship. You know, obviously, we know that the White House is having their shutdown and all the you know the government shutdown and all that stuff. Apparently. The White House served all the Clemson, the whole team and the whole organization, a bunch of fast food. Apparently, the president's a big fan of the fast foods. Uh, he likes all the, the, the Burger King and the Wendy's and the McDonald's and all that. So, apparently, served the whole Clemson group fast food. They made it like a fast food party at the White House celebrating Clemson's national championship. And one Molly Karam, first take, host of first take comes out and says the president is now being racist because he served Clemson fast food. Are you kidding me, Molly? First off, I'm not a, again, I'm not a, you know, the, our president is our president. You know, there are plenty of things that I don't agree with what the president's done or is doing. But for Molly, for, for her to come out and say that that was a racist gesture by serving fast food to the Clemson uh, team, come on. I mean, that is nothing but trying to get yourself, inject yourself into the into the political uh, cycle, media cycle of the day, with just an outlandish, unsubstantiated, just stupid, stupid comment. Again, Clemson is a you know, you know, you you whatever you believe with the president, agree or disagree with what he does or how he handles his business for for that. For that to be even a, a, a question of because he served them fast food, he's a racist. Are you kidding me? Please. ESPN should take her off the air for multiple days. She ought to be suspended for that comment because that is just a totally out-of-line comment and just does nothing but but 
created a, more of a divisive uh, environment than there already is. There's already plenty of divisiveness going on, plenty of controversy about the shutdown, Trump, what do you like Trump, you don't like Trump, you agree with what he's doing, whatever, whatever, whatever. Don't bring that stuff into sports when something like on something like that where there's absolutely no evidence, no, you know, of that. So very disappointed in that. Hopefully ESPN handles that to some degree because that needs to be dealt with swiftly. Hopefully somebody t- brought her in for a meeting after that show and really, you know, laid into her because that's just that's just totally unnecessary. So, all right, championship week. Enjoy your weekend. We will we will talk again next week. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Check us out. Tell a friend. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Libsyn.com. I'll be putting it out on the Twitter on the tw- on the Twitterverse at Kick the FB at Kick the FB is our Twitter handle. Send us your questions. We want to hear from you. Powers on sports. Have a great week. Enjoy your football. Stay warm. Go do something nice for somebody this weekend. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.